There are many ways to get rich. Be born into money, win the lottery, work hard, or solve a series of clues written into a poem by an eccentric modern-day Indiana Jones. Thousands of people have undertaken the search, but still the treasure remains hidden. Are the clues really as easy to solve as the writer would have you believe? This week's episode is Forrest Fenn's Hidden Treasure. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinister Did you go on scavenger hunts as a kid? Um, only like Easter egg hunts. <laughs> okay. So you never had where you had a list of items you had to find. And we one. used to do these around our neighborhood growing up. Who would do them? Like you wrote them? Well, I had a lot of kids my age in our neighborhood and one of the parents would write it like a scavenger hunt for us. That's so nice. And, and it no. would have things like you have to, you'd be on teams. So say there's like six kids, you each are, have a team of two, and you have a list of items you have to find from various houses around the neighborhood, and then you bring them back, and whoever gets back first wins. That's so thoughtful. When when we were kids, we didn't have that. Meryl and I, my friend from grade school, would just, after it rained, go in the gutter and pick up sharp objects and screws and razor blades, things like that, and put them in a cup and bring them home. <laughs> For what purpose? We called it treasure hunting. <laughs> That's mesquite-style treasure hunting. (laughs) Razor blades and screws. My parents would filter out the particularly sharp things. Yes. Kept us strong. But also they have adult scavenger hunts. There's one that they do in Dallas all the time, that clue one. That looks like a I want to do that, yes. I'm a big fan of scavenger hunts and anything where it's clues, like escape rooms or anything where you have to solve. we got to do an escape room. I know. I've never done one. Let's do an escape room. Can you do that? Will sure. they let you? Yeah, do whatever you want. If they don't like it, they open the door, you get out, you won the escape room. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Done and Either done. way, we win. Exactly. <laughs> we either get out immediately due to breaking the rules or we solve it. I would love if someone made a scavenger hunt for me like Leslie Nope does for Ben on Parks and Rec. You know, whenever Ron mm-hmm. has to help Ben because he can't figure out all the different clues. I would love that. Doesn't... Well, they kind of do one for Michael to get to, or for um, Holly Holly to get to Michael, mm-hmm. don't they? Yeah, on the office. Yeah. It's more of just a clue thing, not a scavenger yeah, hunt. Yeah, it wasn't scavenger really hunt, like... you're collecting items yes. along the way. And that's, yeah, They like do them mystery. as kind of uh, bar crawls and stuff, too, around That'd be town fun. And stuff. I would do that. Yeah. I love puzzles and riddles and th- figuring things out. So my question to you is, have you figured this one out? Okay. Um. <clears throat> I feel like I watched a video of another person trying to find the treasure, and I felt in my gut that they were in the right place. What? And let me just tell y'all, I have watched a lot of YouTube videos of people filming themselves trying to find this treasure that we're going to be talking about. But this one was, and we'll post it in the show notes, it's called... Geek ser- geek seeks gold, and he put some production <laughs> in money into doing this. And he's he is a nerd, but a, a lovable. I think he's Russian, and he takes his parents with him because 
one of the things that Forrest Finn says about this that people try and embrace is this should be a bonding familial experience. Don't or, go alone. A way to, or, but also just like a way to get outside and have fun in nature. And Put have, down your computer toys. Uh, yes, and have so your Pac like, Man hula hoops Zima. <laughs> Parents and Zima. That's from the basketball. Oh, never like, seen it. Kids these days. The parents and their kids will go do it. Not, mm-hmm. y- you know, like older kids. And so this guy, who was probably in his 30s, took his parents. And it was very sweet to just see That's them so and cute. stuff. But he is maybe the smartest person I've ever seen on wow. YouTube. Well, he is had, that a high bar? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He had so many maps and scientific equations broken down. I mean, to the T. Wow. They had all this latitude and longitude and where and his passion and excitement for when they would get to places was just heartwarming and infectious. So I'm a big fan of this treasure it's hunt. Called Geek Seeks Gold. Geek Seeks Gold. Yes. It's only has like six thousand views. Let's get that number up there, you guys. <laughs> well he's he's very he's very lovable, enthusiastic, enthusiastic, smart as shit. That's what. You and I feel while watching this, I was like, if I didn't know that this is going to end with him not finding it, I would think he was going to find it because it seemed like he was in the right spot. I love that. Well, Actually, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And I'm very in to <laughs> this treasure hunt. I would love to go to Wyoming and try my hand at this. It'd be fun. I would love for someone that we know to find it. A listener or me or you. Yeah. I mean, you have to pay taxes on it when you find it. Well, we'll get to one of my theories <laughs> later. Ooh, I'm excited. Um, I, I have a lot of hot takes. Okay. In this episode. A lot of, lot of hot, lot of hot treasure takes. I was, um, a little bit mortified at some of the quotes from this gentleman. You know, are, are we going, or I'm not going to say people are lying, but is there, are these written quotes we've seen or people just saying, he said this to me? Well, and uh, mo- pretty much everything that I will read in Forrest Finn's voice was said to a reporter. Then we will also relay some things that he's potentially said to other people. Yeah, the potentially said stuff is the stuff where I'm like, well, you have to take it at face value. Yeah, Who cringy. really knows if this... Because he seems like a nice man. He's eccentric day. and stuff. But Ain't nothing wrong with being a little bit weird. There's no... No, being rich and weird, those things usually go hand in hand. I can imagine if if only someday I would be uh, wealthy enough to hide a treasure in the woods. First of all, would not do it. Really? Would, no, inside the box would be empty and it would say the real treasure was the journey we took oh, along Jesus the way. Oh, Jesus Christ. And then, then I would be assassinated. Somebody, yeah, somebody finds you and burns your house down. Be so mad. If I had the means to do something like this, I would do it. I think it's fun. And the, and the geek, and geeks, I think his name is Vladimir. I can't remember. He says, I love that this treasure is out there. I think it's magical that this exists in the world and it brings so many people together and it's something that gives people hope and to look forward to. So I think that there's, I, I like that this is out there. There's something to be said for the the carrot that's on the end of the stick to get people to Yeah, it gives go. you a sense of hope and it's exciting. It's and like it's a real life movie. Yeah, you yeah. You to be a part of. And I saw some other videos where this... He's probably like 18, 19 son and his dad. That's their thing they do. He was like, the day before we went, I couldn't sleep. It was like Christmas morning. And that's like beautiful that these people are getting out there and doing something exciting and thrilling that they'll, that's like their thing. And they'll get to have those memories. It sounds like the real treasure was the adventures they had along the way. (laughs) Maybe. But also, if you come upon it, woo, we'll get into what's in this box. It's It's pretty. (laughs) Also, if you did find this, 
I would not. I would be. I would be scared to find it because people are going to come after you. That's true. It's like so many people are looking for this. Yeah, like it. It changes your life and not probably in a good way. I love the lottery ruined my life show. Where, is that a show? I've never seen it. Yeah, it's like it. the people that win the lottery and then what happened to them afterwards. And they like, it's so sad. Yeah, family hits you up for stuff or mm-hmm. just people don't people treat you the People come out the woodwork. Don't, what you do is when you win the lottery, don't tell anybody. Call a lawyer. Get the lawyer to set up either a trust or like an LLC with like a different weird name that's not your name and then assign the winnings to that. And then that way when it gets reported, people can't find out it's you. That's a good plan. And then don't tell anybody. No, you shouldn't. And it would be very hard because people are like, Christy, where did this Maserati and this beautiful mansion come from? I don't know. You're like, I went on the prices, right? And I won it. (laughs) But then I said the F word at the end. So they couldn't play the episode. (laughs) My brother's girlfriend won the showcase showdown on the prices. That's so cool. It was not because of all the taxes she had to pay. Yeah. Taxes Taxes do screw you. I learned in income tax class. If you're walking down the street and you find a $10,000 diamond ring, that is income that you should report to the IRS if you're dumb and you tell them that you found yeah. it. Yeah. But Who's going to report that? Well, a good American citizen because you are supposed to report it. Pay your taxes. But honestly, don't not be me. a dummy. I'm not a good American citizen. <laughs> it's when you go, oh, look, grandmother's dropped me an inheritance from the sky. Yeah. I would probably try and find the owner, but I, I wouldn't so. report it to the IRS. I don't even think that would occur to me. I probably wouldn't post, I found a diamond ring. I would go and look for... The other people posting that they they lost, lost a diamond, a diamond ring. ring and a girl up. on my next door the other day said, I know this is a long shot, but I was walking my dog the other night and the my diamond from my engagement ring fell out on oh. such and such street. We think it's the street. If anybody finds it, I would love to have it back. So in that case, you would have someone to That's trace so it back nice. to. I, I know, but so. how, I know I don't I, I never saw if somebody found it or not, but. That is sad. I hope she did. Yeah. Well, this week we are talking about this hidden treasure that this 80-year-old man at the time, he's 87 now, 89 something, hid in presumably the Rocky Mountains. That's what it seems like based on the triangulation of the clues. Yes. And it is quite a booty. (laughs) As they say. So, yeah, Finn, we're out hunting booty. <laughs> we're out hunting get booty. shirts. Forrest Finn's booty. We'll get them shirts made. Well, let's get into it. Forrest Finn was born in 1932 in Central Texas. His family was outdoorsy. Each summer, they would travel to a cabin they owned in Yellowstone, Montana, 1,600 miles from their home. There, Finn ran wild around the Yellowstone area and memorized the terrain. He worked as a fishing guide at Yellowstone as a young teen, using his knowledge of the land and waterways to guide visitors to the best spots to catch fish. Very good childhood. When I was little, we'd go to the Smoky Mountains and visit my family. Oh, and nice. Run around barefoot. And, Beautiful. Oh, gorgeous. And, I haven't been to the Smoky Mountains. Oh, man. Kate's I've never Cove. been to Yellowstone either. I've never and been to Yellowstone. from all these videos I've been watching, it looks beautiful. Montana looks like, I mean, isn't the nickname God's Country? Yes. it's Yeah, like, it's I, gorgeous. I would love to see like all the national parks. Oh, yeah. So I've yeah. seen a couple. But Cades Cove is where I saw 13 bears in one visit. I know. That's amazing. crazy. So it's beautiful. When we went to, where were we? San Diego? Somewhere where there's supposed to be a lot of bears. And, oh, no, we were in Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of bears in San Diego. Never <laughs> in know. Lake Tahoe. I wanted to see a bear so bad in the Airbnb we stayed in because it was in the woods. There were signs everywhere of what to do if you see a bear and they had it was a fight it it was a one step one yeah bow up to it yeah don't show compliment it because they respond well to flattery they had it was a 
you know, like townhomes and stuff. So they had where the trash picked up. You had to put them in these lock. You had to put your trash in lock boxes because uh-huh. there were bears everywhere. I was so convinced I was going to see a bear. Never saw a bear. I just found a gluten-free old. It was a crusty old tortilla that was in my trash was ravaged in front of my trash can and ripped apart. I'm guessing a raccoon did it here at your house. Yeah, behind my house. Oh, oh, I have a camera. Was I it a bear? It. Yeah. Probably oh my gosh! What if it's a man? <laughs> Never mind. Sometimes I do get a, a ring. I got a ring alert the other day that there was motion in my backyard. It's kind of it faces. I have one camera that faces my whole backyard. Another one that faces like my driveway. And the, it was the driveway. And I was like, well, maybe it's a trash man. And it was a squirrel putting his little face right up to the camera. Aww, so he's just saying hi. But it could e- equally just be a man oh, putting his face no. up to the camera. <laughs> Not like that. Well, later, Finn went on to serve as a pilot in the U.S. Air Force in Vietnam, where he was heavily decorated, even earning a silver star the U.S. Armed Forces' third highest personal decoration for valor in combat. He flew 328 missions and was even shot down twice. Life of adventure. Already. And a a hero. Finn was a rather mysterious figure. During his downtime in the Air Force, he would often travel with archaeologists to faraway lands and assist them on their digs. In an article published by All That's Interesting, Finn was compared to a real-life Indiana Jones. It was during his time in the armed forces and on these expeditions to exotic locations that Finn began his extensive and impressive art collection, buying sculptures from starving artists he met along the way. After obtaining an Indian wax mold in 1945, Finn began casting the sculptures he obtained in bronze in his garage. He would then either sell the pieces or trade them for Native American artifacts. This is quite a juxtaposed life, if that's the right expression i mean it's true he's up in the air and then he's down digging in the dirt he's got he's come from both ends it's, and it turns <laughs> you know what sometimes that's a good thing sometimes yeah. it ain't but it sounds like he's got this predilection towards antiquities it's not that he just likes art i mean he does like he does trade in art sculptures paintings things like that but he has this predilection for antiquities for yes Native artifacts American. and yes he wants stuff and if you his theory is that you should just touch everything i did see an interview with him where he said he it excites him to think when he finds an artifact that no one has touched this in like a thousand years Mm -hmm. and that is exciting that's i mean you're looking into the past essentially Well, one interviewer was talking to him and he said here have a sip of this brandy and the interviewer said well what is this and there was like nothing left it was like a tiny 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 bit of brandy, and like finished it off and the interviewer drank it and he said, yeah, Jackie Onassis drank the rest of that brandy. You just shared a drink with Jackie Onassis. And that's cool. The reporter thought, this man is insane. That's That was like history. But then I just drank it. So now I'm like forever part of this. And he has like chief, I think. Um, he has Sitting Bull's Peace sitting Pipe. Sitting Bull's Peace Pipe. And he just lets little kids touch it. I don't have a problem with that. That's what I'm saying. He's got this very loose... <laughs> But I mean, how cool is it if you're that reporter that just got to finish the brandy? I mean, it's that seems pretty selfless from Finn's point of view. That's in what my, he said to me. Finn was like, "Now you're a part of yeah." You he and he ha- he just gave him this gift of being a part of this history instead and said, of and, and holding on to it. His interviews, he said, "Oh, the Smithsonian has like forty five thousand pieces that are like in the basement because they're being restored or they're mm-hmm. not for view." And he said, "That's a crime. They're they're yours. That's America's." 
We own like we yeah. collectively as a society own this. It's not for one person to have and hold. And it's just there's <laughs> some reporters report, you know, we go in there to talk to him and he's like, sit over there on that drum. That was from the whatever tribe. And it's, you know, thousands of years old. Just have a seat on it. They're like, this isn't a chair, man. <laughs> and they're like, he's like, just go for it. But that's cool, though. And he's very open about it. So he seems like he wants to share the wolf. Yeah. And allow people to experience. I mean, where else are you going to be able to touch a 600 year old drum? No. That's cool that it's not all behind glass and that mm-hmm. he wants people to like experience it in an actual experience way. Artsy of just people are like, oh, everyone's fingers are ruining it. And yeah. People won't be able to see it later. So exactly. it's a question of like, do you enjoy something now or are you to preserve it for the future? That's a good question. What if there is no future? Damn. Better enjoy it now. Live in the moment. That's your latest Christy life hack. Live in the moment. Enjoy it now. Live in the moment. That's true. What if there is no future? Hey, it got dire at the end. (laughs) But but it is true, though. Like, what what are you preserving it for? Mm. For, you know, there's not really an answer to that. Mm -hmm. Like, enjoy it now. That's what Forrest Finn said. Here and now. Well, Finn began to do quite well for himself. And by the time he retired from the Air Force, he was basically running his own foundry out of his garage. Rex Aerosmith. Coolest name. (laughs) Best name ever. A longtime trader of antiques in the Santa Fe area and a friend of Finn's invited Finn out to work with him in Santa Fe, selling Native American crafts. The two opened their Aerosmith Finn Gallery in an old house on the Paseo de Peralta on Thanksgiving Day, 1972. Rex Aerosmith is one of the greatest it's names so I've ever heard. It's so, that should be, it's like a new name that you use to check into a hotel, like yeah. a fake name. Yeah, or that's like what Steven Tyler should yeah. go by. <laughs> he should change his, his hotel name. name should be. Well, he changed his name. Well, that next year, Aerosmith retired, leaving Finn to take over the gallery. Finn did well for himself, reportedly grossing about $6 million a year in the next decade. He expanded his gallery into a luxury set of showrooms, filled with hundreds of colorful and unique artifacts he had collected during his travels, including a mummified falcon discovered in King Tut's tomb and Sitting Bull's famed peace pipe. Yeah, he got himself some good pieces, Hell some yeah. very rare sought-after pieces, because he was so good at selling the rest wheeling of the art. And dealing. Wheeling and dealing the art. According to People magazine, Finn wined and dined celebrities, including Jackie Onassis, former President Gerald Ford, Cher... Steve Martin, Robert Redford, Steven Spielberg, and Suzanne Summers when they each visited Santa Fe. Actually, one of the most rare pieces in the collection is he has the original Thighmaster. <laughs> Suzanne Summers. Cher has some of his stuff in her home. It's true. and they All said, these people have art from him. They said that he would say, okay, come stay here. And it was not just one showroom. It was like five or six showrooms in this courtyard and then a place where they could stay like a suite. Mm-hmm. And he would fully cater to them, cater whatever they wanted, any food, any drinks, anything they wanted, and just tell them, go around, walk around, see what you want. And then in doing so, it was almost, it was kind of a sales tactic because he was so generous with his time and with they could stay as long as they wanted and touch anything they wanted. People would feel kind of this sense of, a little bit of like they owed him something back and then buy art. And also I mean, they, that sales one on one genius. Genius. Yeah. It's like going into a place and they give you like free champagne while you yeah. walk around and shop for dresses where you get drunk and you didn't buy. Them exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They said Steve Martin also has a lot of his pieces. In That's his awesome. 
1978, Finn sold more than $4 million of paintings and sculptures, which in today's money is about $16.1 million. He was balling. So he's already in the late 70s doing very well for himself. He's, all right. and he's is, doing all right. Is definitely a millionaire. Well, things seem to be going well for Finn until he was diagnosed with cancer in 1988. At the time, he already had planned to sell the gallery, but the diagnosis sped up his plans. He retired to a life of writing books and excavating a Native American archaeological site that he bought out from underneath a ranch that went into foreclosure. This was a very controversial situation because, again, preservationists thought that these items should be taken and put it into museums. And rather than allowing sort of the academia, historiological type of people go down and dig it out. He bought the ranch and was like, hey, dum-dums, if you want the stuff, you got to get the land that's that it's on. And then he scooped it all out and ended up kind of trading it. So there was some some headbutting there. Apparently, from my research, Santa Fe is the hotspot of black market Native American artifacts. Ooh. There's a lot of grave robbing that goes on. Uh. There's a lot of digging on... Sacred protected sacred grounds and things, which is very illegal. It's also and horribly selling, unethical yeah, and yeah. disgusting. And selling to dealers like Finn and other mm-hmm. dealers. There was actually even in from two thousand six to two thousand nine, the FBI was doing an undercover sting operation because of about twenty four different people in the area that were known for robbing graves and selling to dealers, including Finn. Yes. But he was not implicated in anything. Yeah, I think they came in and raided him. They came in and raided his house and took some stuff, but no charges or anything have been filed. Well, doctors performed surgery on Finn, removing his right kidney in an effort to stop the spread of the disease. Finn feared the worst. As he asked his radiation therapist how much time he had, he was only told, Mr. Finn, you've just got an uphill battle. Yep. I mean, that's cancer for you. That's not good news. No, definitely not. And especially if you're having to have surgery to stop the spread of it. I mean, that's advanced. Yeah. And, and removing a major organ. This is 1988, too, or the you know late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s. Things were not as advanced they right. are now. Sure. According to California Sunday Magazine, just two years prior to his own diagnosis, Finn's father had been given the same bad news, cancer. Rather than sustain painful treatments, the elder Finn took a handful of sleeping pills and ended his battle on his own terms. This inspired Finn to do the same, end his battle on his own terms. But, inspired by adventure stories he had read as a kid, he planned on adding a little flair to his plan. Rather than simply end his life, Finn decided to fill a box with treasure, walk out into the Rocky Mountains or the desert near Santa Fe, and there take his handful of sleeping pills with a bottle of liquor. Then, when someone stumbled upon him, they would be given the opportunity to essentially rob his grave. Uh, perhaps a fitting punishment for a man who was raiding Native American burial sites. Was he doing it illegally? I guess he, if he owned the land. Yeah. I mean, there's still, probably some ethical stuff there yeah. as far as actual illegal stuff. It turns out, I mean, the FBI didn't find anything. Yeah. Well, fortunately, Finn never executed this plan because just a few years later, he got the news he never expected. The cancer was gone in remission with little chance of returning. That's got to be the best news you can hear. Uh, and then he's like, damn it. I was going to bury this. 
I got this whole treasure box for nothing. But no, that's exactly that's everyone's dream. I mean, yeah. I'm sure everyone who's suffering from something like that, you go to sleep every night. Like, I hope tomorrow's the day mm-hmm. that I go to my checkup and they tell me it's all going to be OK. Yeah. Well, he was still enamored with the adventurous idea and decided to write a memoir of his life, preserving his memories with his newfound lease on life. But rather than a normal memoir, this would include directions to the treasure he had planned to die beside. Finn's autobiography, The Thrill of the Chase, includes stories of his life and the following 24-line poem. According to Finn, the six stanzas contain nine clues that, if interpreted correctly, will lead dedicated treasure hunters to the location of the hidden loot. Finn emphasizes the importance of solving the clues sequentially. The poem itself reads, As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where, and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down, not far but too far to walk, put it in below the home of brown. From there it's no place for the meek, the end is ever drawing nigh, there'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down, your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know, I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good, your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood... I give you title to the gold. Okay, did you solve it? So, yeah, I've already, I know where it is. She got it. Yeah. So within this poem, there are nine clues, okay. which we I have bolded. Thank within you. The all. <laughs> I just read it regular. So, but here, so here are the things that Finn says and the internet that we should focus the on. The hive mind. Yes. Begin it where warm waters halt. That's okay. the first clue. Okay. And apparently the most important. Okay. Because that's true. It's it's sequential, so you got to get the first yes. one right. Yeah. Okay. And take it in the canyon down. I like to take it in the canyon down. <laughs> <laughs> Not far, but too far to walk below the home of Brown. So that's from the second stanza, and those are four, the first four clues. Four clues, second stanza. Yes. In the third stanza, the clues there are no paddle up your creek, heavy loads and water high. And then in the fourth stanza, if you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. Found the blaze is Colorado. Terry's scant with Marvel gaze. So that's that whole chunk is the last one. Or is that three? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Yeah. So really... Stanzas two, three, and four are the only... Those are the only ones with clues. Clues. Yes, yes. And a lot of people say that his entire autobiography has clues within it, and and he'll make a lot of references to places he grew up as a child, so that's... And they he has said, you know, this is a place that I know well, and people to. think that they he buried it somewhere that has meaning to him. So... There's possibly like more subtle clues within the actual autobiography itself, but within the poem, these are really what one is to focus on. Okay. The nine clues that are stanzas two, three, and four. Yes. So that being said, 
the website finsclues.com, which I am very familiar with now. <laughs> Did some digging. Has done. Oh, and yes. <laughs> Did some digging to do my digging. Yes. Well, they've done a stanza by stanza analysis, aggregating research from thousands of treasure hunters over the years. Across the globe, there have been varying opinions as to what the first clue means. Begin it where warm waters halt. That's true. That's because you got to you got to get the first one. So. The geek seeks gold. Geek seeks gold. Had a very interesting take on this. Okay, what was his theory? That. Everyone. Most people that I've seen are looking on the ground for this first clue. Oh, he went up into the air because his whole thinking was jetpack. Where no, he was in an airplane. (laughs) Where warm waters halt, the vapors from the rivers evaporate up into the air, and that's what causes the clouds. Okay, he had some science behind it, but it was very interesting, and he then took a plane to this airstrip that's in this certain part of the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. And from there, there were all, I mean, he laid it out and it, I was like, this makes total sense. Geek Six Gold found it. Man, he didn't, but maybe he was close. Some speculate Finn is guiding them to a specific Rocky Mountain hot spring. Others point to the fact that Finn was an avid fisherman, specifically a lover of trout fishing. Because trout only swim in cold waters, these hunters believe the starting point lies in one of the Rocky Mountain rivers where the shift from cold to warm can be noticeably felt. See, that's what I thought. But I think that that makes sense. Yes. On the Finn's Clues websites, they break it down into what their best theory is. Mm-hmm. And it lays out the name of the springs, the name of and it all makes sense with this poem. Mm-hmm. But what's so interesting from because I've watched a lot of different people that have been looking for this. <laughs> Not one person has the same idea. Mm-hmm. And it's such a vague poem that it can be interpreted a million different ways. So it's just interesting how so many people can read the same thing and, and, it, and very few have the same conclusions. It's almost like a song. Yeah. When people yeah. hear a song and they go, oh, my gosh, that song makes me think mm-hmm. of my little boy. And you're like, that's a love song. But yes. that makes me think of my parents. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. You, it's an interpretation. you The interpretations you get. Perhaps might be what you're needing in life. It's true. It's good art for us, Finn. Mm -hmm. Good art. Well, Finn warns against taking any clues shared by others too literally. He told Hemispheres magazine. What serious adventurers should remember is to not believe anything that's not in my poem or otherwise in my book. There is some misinformation out there. For instance, I never said I buried the chest. I only said that I hid it. That is not to say it is not buried, so maybe we need to define the terms. Does hidden mean in plain sight? What is the difference between buried, entombed, and sepulchred? What does the word blaze in the poem mean? A horse can have a blaze on its forehead. A blaze can be scraped onto a tree to mark one's way. A blaze can mean a flame or a scar on a rock. And what about water high? Does it mean deep or higher than normal? Does it mean blazing and get super high? The treasure's in Colorado. Um. So the blaze thing. My boy, Vladimir. I don't think that's his name. <laughs> but it that's is. what I'm calling him. Geek six gold. Apparently, a blaze is from native american terms and they would 
when the saplings were growing, they would bend them to where they would grow at a 90 degree angle. And that is how they marked their territory to show other tribes. Genius. That has been the best explanation I have seen as to what. And he found one in the area that he was searching. Yeah. That has been the best explanation I've seen as to what that meant. Most people think it's like a giant rock in the middle of something or just, you know, something that looks a little bit, little bit out of the or- ordinary. But I think it's this Native American blaze. I feel like Forrest Fenn can't help himself but to sort of spill things out. And so I think he's trying to point that it's not something – it would be something like that where in his Native American collection and yeah. research and stuff, he would pull from that mm-hmm. versus – and then these hints of like, oh, it's it could be a horse's head. It could be a tree. It could be a flame. It could be a scar. These are like hint, hint, hint. It's not the normal place. It's like burning a suggestion in an improv show. Yes. When you don't want that suggestion, you're yes. like, can you get a location that'll fit on the stage, like a doctor's office or an elevator? And that way people And then you're like, this. don't. Although the other night I was on the show Someone. and <laughs> the host specifically to this, this person said, can I get a name, get a suggestion of a mythical creature like a centaur or a unicorn? And the guy just sat there for a second and he goes, let's go with unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. We're Mad looking respect. for something not unicorn or centaur. Mad respect. He's just going for it. <laughs> well, Finn also claims he receives at least 100 emails per day from treasure hunters asking for advice or additional clues. In response, Finn gives them only one bit of advice. Just go back to the poem. The poem will take you to the treasure. Brian lightly. <laughs> this is what his internal voice sounds like. Oh, that might like when you're reading a book, the yeah. voice in your head. Yeah, I hope that is his. Mine's just uh, what is the book in? Your, I think it's my own voice. What's yours when you read a book? That's a good question. Emma Thompson. It's <laughs> yeah, no Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I have him do all, everything. Oh yeah. I it's one of those questions where somebody asks you, "How do you pronounce this word?" And, and then you, you can't know. think of it. Would just have to be how it comes to me. I am reading a very good book, though, and so when I'm reading it later... Is it your crawdad book? It is. I saw it at the airport. the crawdad thing. Oh, nice. I did not get it. I bought the 9-11 book instead. (laughs) Well, very different. It was really good. I cried so much on the plane. I almost cried in this the other night. Okay, it's good. Yeah, I cried all the the way to Cabo, and then when we flew all the way back, I cried in Paris. And then I fell asleep for the last probably 45 minutes of the flight, uh, and don't read a bunch about... Aircraft yeah, I mean, issues. I'm not going to read about 9-11 on a plane. It was on my iPad. Nobody knew what I was reading. No, I just mean I don't want to read about that. I'm not I, like I wouldn't want to read about I was uh, tempting fate. I felt a, like. <laughs> the Titanic on a cruise ship. I guess that's true. But, but man, the book is so good. I'm, I've heard it's, it's very good. It's heart wrenching. It's joyful. It's I mean, it's everything. It's so good. Well, another joyful thing in 2010, 22 years after his grim diagnosis, Finn left home without mentioning anything to his wife, 32 years, Peggy. He took off with his treasure chest and hid the box. According to Forbes magazine, Finn's treasure is contained in an antique bronze treasure chest with 256 gold coins, a 17th century Spanish emerald and gold ring, hundreds of cherry-sized gold nuggets, diamonds, rubies, emeralds, sapphire, pre-Columbia's gold animal artifacts, ancient Chinese carved jade figures, and an important turquoise bead bracelet excavated in 1898 from Mesa Verde. He is also said to have included a copy of his autobiography. The real treasure! (laughs) The chest is said to weigh close to 42 pounds with the contents, and they are worth anywhere from $1 to $5 million. Man! 
That's a good treasure. One that's, I think, probably with, except for gold, which I guess fluctuates with the that's market. That's why you, you they can't really estimate the exact value. Because, but yeah, gold fluctuates yeah. the market. But the rest of it, I mean, re, all of those antiques, like, the older they get, unless mm-hmm. they're being destroyed inside of this chest in some sort of waterway or something, the older they get, the more uh, valuable yeah. they'll be. I think that he specifically did not bury it in a place or include things that would wear over time. I put all the items in Ziploc bags. <laughs> yeah, it's just they're just wrapped in newspaper. The whole thing's in a glad trash bag. Force flex. <laughs> well, finsclues.com, the subreddit Finding Fins Gold, and numerous other sites have crowdsourced information to try and pinpoint exactly where the treasure may be. Most believe that because Finn speaks so fondly of Yellowstone in his memoir, and because he spent so much time there in his youth, that surely Yellowstone is the epicenter of the search. That makes sense to me. But, I mean, would he do something so obvious, or could he not help himself because he loves it so much? From everything I have read, the serious treasure hunters and the most experienced are 100% it's in Wyoming. It is in Wyoming. Yes. Okay. Yes. A lot of people have thought it was in New Mexico or Colorado, but... It's. I think most people now are like it's definitely and they and yes and they've narrowed it down to like seventy five hundred miles within Yellowstone. I don't remember if that's exactly right, but they cut it down quite a bit. I mean, if you're going the whole country down to a region, down yeah. to a state, down to a chunk of a state, that's pretty good. Yeah. According to Forbes, over three hundred and fifty thousand people have searched for the treasure since its burial in two thousand ten. In an interview with Earth Magazine, Tim Reed, chief ranger of Yellowstone, said, People who choose to believe the treasure exists typically seem to be unprepared for wilderness conditions. So far, four deaths can be attributed to the search for Finn's treasure. Randy Bilyeu went missing in January of 2016. Six months later in July, he was found dead along the Rio Grande River. Jeff Murphy was found dead in Yellowstone on June 9, 2017. Montana's KULR-TV reported that Murphy fell 500 feet while searching for the treasure. Pastor Paris Wallace's car was found parked at the Taos Junction Bridge. His body was found July 14, 2017, five to seven miles downstream on the banks of the Rio Grande River. Eric Ashby was found dead in the Arkansas River in Colorado on July 28, 2017. He had been hunting for the treasure since moving to Colorado in 2016. Eric was last seen rafting on the day of his death. Later, an upturned raft was found nearby. So these four have been confirmed by their family members that they told their family, I am going out this to is find where the I'm treasure. Going. Yes. I will, this is where I'll be. Yes. There's also, there was a woman from Carrollton that went out, or Colleyville maybe, that went out by herself. Which is a suburb of Dallas. Yes. And within a few hours got very, very lost and had to be removed by helicopters and they had to send in search dogs and it was a whole thing if you're gonna go search for this i would advise not to go by yourself definitely not the treasure is the adventure we have along the way so please (laughs) but also safety safety and keep in mind he was 80 when he buried this and it's 50 pounds and he says quite openly it's anybody could get to it yeah it's not gonna be at the top of a waterfall in a tiny little cave that you have to like scale a mountain to get to that's not it so don't do anything that's gonna put your life in danger seriously because i think he's he was 80 when he did it and he said i took the chest one day and i drove back the next day 
and I took the contents. And the it next took day. him a couple hours to take all the contents to the chest. So if you're 80, I mean, what do you, you know, he's, he's a cancer survivor. He's maybe physically compromised slightly, you know, from a lot of treatment and surgery and whatnot. So it's not like he was out running marathons. It's right. Like Jack LaLanne dragging a car or hiding <laughs> no. in the woods. No. So, so keep that in mind if you are to look that logic would dictate yeah, that it's not if somewhere. i as a 40 year old i'm like oh god i don't want to climb up this then probably someone twice my age definitely <laughs> isn't gonna do that it's a really good litmus test like <laughs> i'm not gonna climb up that yeah that's uh that's one thing that you know everyone has their theories and we can't fault them for having their theories and of course you know anybody that's gone missing or or definitely passed yeah, sometimes away. maybe you're not doing anything dangerous and you just get lost you and, and fall you're, or... you're succumb to the elements or yeah you slip and fall or something like that but well, this is our uh warning please don't hurt yourself no looking for please the don't linda billu the wife of randy billu pinned a strongly worded open letter to forrest finn and claims that two additional deaths can also be blamed on the hunt for the treasure Jeff Schultz died while hiking in Arizona in 2016, and online speculators have pointed to the treasure as one reason why he was out on that hike. Linda also alleges that another man's parents contacted her about their son's death, but have not yet decided to go public that their son's death was attributable to the hunt for Finn's treasure. She is understandably quite upset. Absolutely. In this letter, Linda also details how when she asked Finn for the location of the treasure while the search for her husband was still ongoing, Finn responded that if he told her the location of the treasure, he would have to shoot her. So here's, is this, are we on record with this? That's what she, she has said. This. She said this also in an interview with Westworld, Westward Magazine, which is a Colorado, it's the Dallas Observer equivalent of Colorado. Gotcha. You know, I'm not going to say that he didn't say that. It is a weird thing to say to a widow. <laughs> well, so when Randy was missing, apparently Finn jumped in and said, oh, let me pay for helicopters. Let me pay for the search party. Happy to help. And I think he plugged like $900,000 into it and, and over the course of a couple of weeks and then was like, yeah, shut it down. And then I think she maybe got a little upset. And of course, understandably, because he said, you know, I'll help you. I'll help you find your husband. Of course, he, he he's still missing. And the, the guy that said he'd bankroll the whole operation kind of gives up. But it's I guess it's kind of hard. I mean, but that's also very considerate of him to spend even try nine hundred thousand dollars helping even, to find and that was just a, a number that people threw out but and who's to say that you know that's a question if you legally speaking in like an emergency situation if someone say goes into cardiac arrest and you volunteer to help them you can't just stop in the middle of it and walk away because then you become liable if you never jump in in the first place you're not liable it's probably kind of crappy but there's no law that says you have to jump in and help but there are like doctors and nurses out there that if they're in an emergency situation the litigious society that we live in they won't step in and yeah. try to help because if they can't save them or if they give up they can be sued right. then for this person's already existing so that's the question is if you start to help do you have the moral rec like is it required for you morally whether or not, I mean, this guy didn't have to help anybody, but he stepped in and he started bankrolling the search. Morally, do you have to finish the job? Or, I mean, I put a couple thousand, hundred thousand dollars in it. That's, I've done my part. That's my question. I mean, there's no right answer. Yeah. I think at some point, I mean, even police call off a search. Eventually. So what are you, are you just going to inevitably keep paying to search for someone? You know, I mean. Or, if, or he's no expert. If he asks the experts, hey, do we go for another week? And they say, you know, actually, no, we don't think that we're going to find yeah. anything. And he goes, okay, I'm deferring to you. Yeah. 
you know, no, I'm going to defer to you, then that's that's reasonable to me because he's not a he's not a search and yeah, rescue yeah, yeah. expert. He's I a, agree. as my mother would say, he's a crazy old coot hidden his money in the woods. <laughs> Linda also alleges that two weeks after Randy went missing, while the search was still ongoing, Finn urged Linda to give up searching for her husband. Why do you want to find Randy? Just let him be. He died doing what he loved to do. You will never find him. Maybe in a hundred years his bones will be found. Also, something you wouldn't say to a widow. Well, I mean, I guess she's not technically a widow at this point. But nevertheless, a worried wife. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never find him. Don't say that. That's why it's it's crazy that you would go on record saying that to someone. It's he's he um he don't give a F. Well, maybe not. FF don't give a F. I mean, he has come out and said. I'm not I do not feel responsible for any of these deaths. Mm-mm. And he I don't kind of I kind of agree with him. He don't give a fuck. I mean, he he never told anyone to go search for this. If you do it and then something happens that's terrible, but you can't blame him. Here's I'm a lawyer. There's a thing called an attractive nuisance. I would argue if that's I was my nickname in high school. Hey. <laughs> I would argue. So that's why it's most cities require it, but even if a city doesn't require it, if you have a trampoline or a pool mm-hmm. in your backyard, you have a fence high enough to keep kids out. Because if you have an attractive nuisance, something that's like attracts somebody that's also dangerous, you have the liability to prevent other people from getting near it. So if you say, I mean, this is an argument that could go both ways. This is what a lawyer, a if lawyer somebody said, jumps your fence, your private property fence. No, because you took a reasonable precaution. You put a fence around it. But if you stick a pool in the middle of your and you don't have a fence and a little kid walks by and falls into it, you're liable because you should have put a fence around it. You need to act as a reasonable. On your own private property? Yes, you need to act as a reasonable person. Hmm, so, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I don't know. Call the common law <laughs> justice just, system. I'm just justice. saying, I think that who's responsible for keeping that kid off your property? Yeah, it's dumb parents, but that's not your fault. I mean, it's like that you're... But it is your fault because you're the one that's going to get sued. Yes, that you had at some... There's kind of two trains of thought because you also have like someone that undertakes the risk. That's another issue when you're trying to sue somebody you know you can't really sue a fireworks company for a fireworks incident if you've used it improperly you know if you point a roman candle at your friend or yourself and you hurt yourself you knew that's an assumption of the risk you're doing something really risky or you go and do a bungee jumping thing and they make you sign a waiver that you say i understand this is risky and i understand i'm going so that's kind of the two forks of this argument of liability is on one hand you have this old man that says Come to the forest, little children. I've got a treasure for you. And people died doing so. They would not have died but for your actions. Your actions have caused, are the cause of someone's death. So in that, you know, in the the legal system, you're liable, right? They assumed the risk by doing it. Ding, 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 ding. The other side of it is that we all have responsibilities for ourselves and that you, knowing that you're going to climb up a mountain or you're going to go scale the side of a wall that a river is beneath or whatever... And if you don't have proper training, proper equipment, proper, or if you do, I mean, there are accidents in this world that nobody can get sued for, right? There's right. Just, sometimes cars crash into each other. Sometimes somebody accidentally slips off a roof and it's nobody's fault. But when you have someone who dangled a thing that caused you to go out there, is that their fault? Well, the thing he dangled was an inherently dangerous thing. And so you would argue, okay, he didn't but he say, said it's not in a dangerous location. And there you go. And if he said, oh, I hid this, you know, in a sewer system somewhere or whatever. I mean, 
people go yeah that's these, dangerous yeah or if i hid this you know at the on top of mount, mount kilimanjaro yes, yeah I, that's I super this dangerous at the top of, you know mount everest and people would know they're undertaking this risk to go up something super risky or so i don't that's that's kind of my two trains of thought is they would not have died but for his actions of hiding this treasure but they also did a very risky thing mm-hmm. which is to say go hiking alone in this mountainous area right. or whatever so where they um, weren't maybe equipped to do so all i'm saying is you never know forrest finn and he's rich he's got what i would call mark cuban fuck you money so he's not going to call off the search and the next person that dies who knows maybe they have litigious parents and they get pissed off or any of these victims get pissed off and go you know what your treasure was the cause of my son's death i'm suing you for wrongful death would a jury and wherever i mean where santa fe you know would a jury say you know, yeah, he has this attractive. He did this. He put this out here and dangled it for people. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you you know what you're what, getting into. What you're doing is dangerous. Yeah. I mean, anyway, we got to take a little responsibility for ourselves. But I I I would lean on the side of that argument. I got really excited talking about <laughs> suing people. <laughs> I'm not even that kind of lawyer. I I mean, I can see both sides, but I I feel like it is the onus is on you. Yeah. For going and, out there. And in the legal field, we call that public policy. Like, you don't want to be able to sue people because they, it's his box. He can put his box wherever he wants to put it. You know, we shouldn't hold somebody liable because someone else's choices. So, yeah, I mean, because on a much smaller scale, you could be having a party at your house and say, hey, everybody that comes to this party, you're getting a free, uh, you're, I'm giving you a hundred dollar bill when mm-hmm. you get here. Somebody gets into a car wreck, dies on their way to your party. Yeah, are you then sued because they were speeding? They were coming to your party to get this money. Yeah, that's a great. No, you shouldn't be. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's, that's when, a much just, smaller thing than this, but it's the same idea. And so what you're describing is in the torts world is like proximate cause. So like the cause of them to be driving, it was like the prox like they were driving because of you, but the cause of the accident is they looked away or they ran a stop sign or they were speeding. Which is can be the same. Which for is this. not their fault. The yeah. cause is they're going out to look for this treasure. The reason they died is because they slipped and fell yes. off of a mountain. That's kind of the argument. Yeah. Interesting. It is. Also sad that my brain is so warped by law school that if I hear something, I'm like, I wonder who's responsible for that. <laughs> Who could I sue? Who can I sue? I think a lot of people think that we way were- these days. <laughs> After the body of Randy Billu was found, Westward, a Colorado magazine, contacted Finn for comment. Finn replied, It is tragic that Randy was lost, and I'm especially sorry for his two grown daughters. Accidents can happen anywhere. Randy may have had a heart attack or otherwise become incapacitated. He's not wrong, and see, but it's also a weird thing to say. <laughs> well, maybe know. his lawyer said that, told him to say that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah, that's true. I'm sure he has millions of lawyers with all this money. So who knows who's saying what to him? True, true. To get him to say, all right, you're, we need to just sure. to take the heat off of him. In 2017, after two searchers died over the course of 18 months, Westward reached out to Finn once again and asked if he would call off the search. Finn said he had no such plans and pointed to one of the reasons being a recent email he'd received from someone who was considering taking their own life. Of that email, Finn told Westward, I think that the email helped me make a decision that was one from a man who was contemplating suicide and then he heard about the treasure chest and his life turned around. So a lot of these videos I've been watching, they say this. A lot of people do. Not that they were suicidal, but that... They 
were looking for like hope or just something like hopeful in their life. And this gave them that. It seems to me that people and not seems to me I've read accounts, multiple, multiple accounts of people moving states. Yeah. I mean, the guy that died had moved to Colorado specifically to search for this purpose. Yeah. And, you know, that's I think what one reason I really like this is it gives people as absurd as it may sound Mm -hmm. perhaps a purpose that they didn't have and now they have something to get up for in the morning wow i mean and who who's to say what's an appropriate thing to motivate us yeah anything can motivate you yeah and the people that i've watched go on these things the excitement is contagious Mm -hmm. you know i mean they're it's it's fun to watch them be so excited about something i just want the geek to get the gold dude me too god (laughs) I'm going to message him. Let's message him. I mean, I feel like he would write back. Oh, I'm sure. I feel like he's the type that would. Maybe we'll interview him for a mini-sode. Oh, my gosh. He he was very good in front of the camera. Dream come true. Like, he clearly hired someone that knew what they were doing. To, a like professional, yeah, a person to come along. And he had, like, a script mapped out of what he was going to say, but he was off book. And, like, <laughs> and then just the whole way it was edited together and it had like funny music at points and and then dramatic music at other points. It was fun. I love it. Let's get it up to 10,000 views, you guys. (laughs) That's the goal. (laughs) Well, when Finn originally decided to hide the treasure, it was immediately following the Great Recession. One of the reasons he decided to go forth with his lofty plan was with the hopes of lifting people's spirits. In an interview with ABC News, he said, We were going into a recession. Lots of people losing their jobs. Despair was written all over the headlines and I just wanted to give people some hope. While lives continue to be lost, Finn does not feel responsible and remains adamant that the pros his treasure hunt has to offer far outweigh the cons. It's true. I mean, it seems like the overwhelming majority of people that are into this, it's had a positive impact. If 350,000 people have searched for this and sadly six have perished, the odds are in your favor. It's true. And like and like he said, and really no one, even you know, medical examiners couldn't even tell you how someone ended up passing away in this search, you know, to right. say that you maybe they like you said, tripped and fell. It was an accident or whatever. It's not necessarily the search that did it. So right. Hiking in general is dangerous. That's why I stay inside. <laughs> I mean, we've done several episodes now where I've made it clear my stance on hiking, hiking or skiing is the downfall of someone mm-hmm. it's da- i mean it's it, the high is high but it's it comes at a risk i jumped off a giant boat this weekend and i was so scared i drank drank so much seawater but it was <laughs> worth it at the end of the day but i could have i could have hit my head on the side of the boat i could have drowned i would be more worried about what was waiting under the water for me <sighs> it was a bunch of fishes but i just don't like sharks shark i saw also saw two sea lions fight i went to Cabo oh. for my friend's wedding and I got to see. They uh, fought. Well, we couldn't tell. We did I don't start want to think about sea. It was just funnier fighting. to yell "sea lion fight" than it was to see yell "sea lion book" because I think they uh, also could. And there was also kids on the boat, so probably looks a lot the same too. <laughs> there was a lot of the. Ur, ur, ur. That's the same man. Yeah. In San Diego, I swam with like fifty sea did lions. You touch it? Yeah, they were running into me. Oh. They were just jumping off rocks I and slamming little, into me. Their little bald faces and their yeah, little, little whiskers. They're very cute. They're so cute. Well, but maybe yeah. I should start hiking because Ella has been, every time she sees a pumpkin, points at it and says, Mama? <gasps> no. <laughs> Chris, 
Christy. We got her these Halloween books and she keeps she keeps going, Mama, Mama, and I'm like, That's a pumpkin. <laughs> but I think she's trying to say pumpkin, but it pumpkin. sounds like mama. What did she call Tommy the other day? You told me you it said- sounded like she called him beefcake. <laughs> you told me she called me what she did. She looked at a picture of you and goes, Wookie? <laughs> I was like, Yeah. And then it, a separate a incident, she Tommy said something to her and it sounded like she went, Bye, beefcake. <laughs> I don't know. She's a trip, man. I like it. She's giving everybody nicknames. She's like the cool kid in school. What's her, up, Cooter? Her her vocabulary has increased tenfold in the past just week alone. Oh no, it's crazy. She's every all day. Kinds of stuff. Oh yeah, every day. It also sounds. <laughs> uh oh. It also sounds like she's constantly referring to Tommy as a cuck. <laughs> No. She'll ask for her She's cuck. been reading the right wing online journal. <laughs> but she'll go, cuck, cuck. <laughs> and she'll point to, she'll want Tommy to do something and she'll point and say cuck. And he's like, well, I really don't appreciate you calling me that. Oh. But yes, I'll bring you your cup. <laughs> you have your I did babysit a kid instead of kitties. She said titties. Oh, that's fun. And you couldn't figure it out for a minute. She would just go, oh, school. I saw so many titties. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> Where who do I talk to? Oh, about I was like, this? oh, oh no. I need and to then call she, you know, then one walks by and she goes, "Titty," and you're like, ah, "I see what you mean." Okay, I got you. And my now. niece will say, "Oh, uh, instead of saying the wheels on the bus go round and round, and they go the doors on the bus go mm-hmm. open and shut, you'll go the doors on the bus go," and she'll go, "Oh shit, <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> oh shit." That's fun too. Message us with the fun, funny things your kids say, man. Or even it's also funny what it sounds. What is, yeah, exactly. You think they're saying like she calls her dad a cuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an alpha move. And she's calling me a pumpkin. <laughs> so she's really putting she's, us in our place. You're being bullied by your own child. <laughs> and she called me a Wookie. Yeah, that's she's, not a compliment. She's off the rails. <laughs> it's not a compliment. <laughs> Although Wookie's a pretty cool name. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna embrace pumpkin. I also got her Halloween costume. Oh my today. god, what, what is it? Well, not surprisingly, she will be going as a sloth. (laughs) And I did put her in this in the middle of Target because I needed (laughs) to see which size fit. And I was like, what is happening? And I had her leg in the armhole and it was a whole thing. And people were walking by just like, oh, and I was trying to get her in it. She looks adorable, though. She's like, get out of here. (laughs) She's like, pumpkin's trying to dress me. Get out of here. What are you looking at, you cuck? Jesus. Oh, it's going to be so cute. Oh, yes. I'm excited. Well, the possible risk associated in the search do not escape Finn. In another interview with Westward, he said, Anyone who goes into the mountain should be prepared. Take a GPS and always be aware of possible dangers. Many people don't have experience hiking in the mountains, but that doesn't mean they should stay home. Just be careful and don't get overextended. That's just good advice. <laughs> just be careful and don't get overextended. I wake every morning when I wake up. That's the first <laughs> my, thought I have. It's my like lifestyle. <laughs> just be careful and don't get overextended. Well, Finn has also provided more clues in an attempt to make the search less dangerous. According to the Finding Finn's Gold subreddit post, A Complete Idiot's Guide to Finding Finn's Gold, since the publication of his book, Finn has revealed five additional clues. One, the chest is higher than 5,000 feet above sea level. The treasure is not under an outhouse or associated with any structure. He's not going to dig up shit and put it. <laughs> I'm glad on. he didn't put it under an outhouse. No, that's mean. But the House of Brown, I see where people got that. <laughs> the treasure is not in a graveyard 
Also, that's good. Yes. Don't want to be digging around any graves. No. It is not in Idaho or Utah. Whittling it down. And the treasure is not underwater or near the Rio Grande River. Yeah, I would say definitely it's not going to be underwater because it would damage the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a 17th century Italian. It's a beautiful case. Yeah. And also the risk of stuff getting into that and ruining the... Yeah, I think there's a lot of variables you can't control with that one. Despite hundreds of thousands of treasure hunters and thrill seekers combing the vast and rugged terrain of the Rocky Mountains, Finn's treasure has yet to be found. In an interview with the Daily Beast, Finn said he hid the treasure in a place he has known for years. He has also said that he could get to it at any time if he needed. Is this ornate Romanesque box filled with gold, jewels, and relics hiding in plain sight? Well, see, there you go. He could get to it anytime he needs. It's not going to be somewhere difficult because he's 89 now. Yeah. And how does Finn know his goods haven't been found? According to TreasureTracers.com, there are many theories as to how this may be, including a local insider keeping tabs on the box, solar-powered cameras set up around the area, or battery-powered pressure switchers. However, there are a lot of unknown variables with these scenarios, leaving too much to chance. It seems more likely that Finn has included some sort of legal information in the chest, such as a title that must be signed over to the recipient to ensure they become the rightful owner of the treasure, or something stating that if he is contacted once the treasure is found, he will take full responsibility for all the taxes. Yeah, there would have to be. I don't think an insider knows where it is. Supposedly, according to Linda Billiou, that... um the wife, Peggy, made a comment. Linda was in their kitchen and the wife, made Peggy, made a comment. Oh, well, he wasn't even in the right state or, so, he's not, or something that indicated to Linda that Peggy knew where it was. Oh. And so, so Linda alleges that the wife, that Finn's wife knows where it is. But I wouldn't imagine he would tell anybody else. But that still wouldn't mean that you would know if it hadn't been found. That's what I'm saying. So, so I don't think... He, I think he's got some... And even in the clues, it says... If something, something, I'll give you the title the to title. the gold. I think I there's you, some kind of legal document There's paperwork in there. Yeah. There's paperwork. Yeah. And the treasure tracer guy said he feels the most strongly that he will assume the liabilities for the taxes. Because if there's several million dollars worth of stuff in there and you report that to the IRS, that's a hefty chunk of change that you're going to be paying Yeah, taxes. somebody paying on taxes your behalf if, is still also they, income. You just have to pay like more and more and more. It's like... If he assumed the taxes... Yes. I wonder how they would, there may be like a way, I was asking my friend Pam, who is a expert in she in taxes and tax law and then also in estate. Treasure hunting? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yes, actually she is. I texted her about this and said, hey, I frequently do this when we do an episode. If, you know, like when we talked about the prosecutors, I texted a friend that's a prosecutor. I just will text people and just say, hey, I'm about to do a story on this. You know, what do you, you got any ideas or whatever? And dude, I texted Pam that we were doing this episode and she texted me like six other treasures that are hidden. There's like, yeah, there's a lot there. I read something the other day that was like nine treasures that are hidden that you can still find. Oh, this one here and maybe this one or whatever. But we were talking about that. Maybe if he if it could be considered as a gift rather than something that someone found, because each person has. And I think unless the law change, you have a five point one two million dollar exemption in your life that you can either gift stuff to people or as you as you you can either leave that to your family without estate taxes or as you gift things throughout your life, 
that exemption gets eat up. So you have five, mm. let's make it even round it off to five million. You have a five million dollar exemption. And if you give away three million during your life, then you only have two million left when you die. And then the rest of it's subject to estate tax. So if he gives this as a gift, mm. I think he wouldn't have to the, the recipient wouldn't have to pay taxes. He would just have to report it as a gift. And then he would that have to sense. it would eat up his estate tax exemption. Makes sense. What a dorky thing to know. You guys would know about estate taxes? Well, I mean, that would be the only reason that someone would contact him. Yeah. They have to have an incentive. Well, because, too, whenever... But then the problem is, so the person... The the shitty thing that this isn't cash is you find this box, it's filled with treasures... What you're not going to go on a trip with paying th- with emeralds. You're going to have to go to a dealer, probably him, and figure out how to sell them to turn this into cash. It's all well and good. I'd rather find a box of cash because you're finding a box of shit that you got to go sell. You got to sell that ring. You got to yeah. sell the jade figurine or whatever. It's it's not easily convertible. This is not liquid assets. Right, right, you right. just inherit. You can't go to a bank and cash this no, turquoise bracelet you're gonna have to call and there are companies that do this i actually talked to a guy at an investment conference one time that said he did a high ultra ultra high net worth estate planning and he said this family had built a house into the side of a mountain and he said i had to go and they had a safe down in the floor and he said down in it was he said rocks of all kinds it was like jade emerald diamond all this sh- they were like gem collectors and he had to go down there and literally like write it all down and help them get insured and then help them write it in their will and shit so i mean there's people whose job it is is to appraise and then sell this shit so it doesn't mean that's who you'd have to con- so you'd have to contact forrest finn because do you does geek geek want geek seeks gold know where an antiquities dealer is right so i mean yeah that's a good point i think finding these contents is more exciting than cash Yes. As far as a treasure hunt goes. Also, I imagine cash would decay over time. Oh, definitely. You have to yeah. put it in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> yeah. Or even then, like, I don't know. Would it... Because he has said... Or like shrink Finn rabbit. has said he buried this in a location where it could be ostensibly safe for 10,000 years. Huh. He thinks that people... It, it might take that long to find it. Other people are like, it's been buried for 10 years and two people have already gotten really close to it. So the chances are it'll probably be found soon. Relatively soon. I hope it is because he's 89 and I think it'd be cool if it's found within his lifetime. I would love that. Yeah. So hopefully it is found By soon. By you. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be amazing? Don't. I won't, I'm not going to lie that I was like, I wonder what it would be like to go. <laughs> You're like, babe, we're selling the house. We're going to Wyoming. Well, I could just take a long weekend. Vox has a fun little 20-minute documentary Mm -hmm, Where the friends went. Yeah. Well, and they're writers, yeah. Well, some wonder if the treasure is even real and if Finn isn't just sending folks on a wild goose chase. Douglas Preston, a New York Times bestselling author and longtime friend of Finn's, told Forbes that he has actually seen the treasure firsthand when Finn was first gathering the loot for the box. I held it in my own hands and... I can assure everyone that this is no publicity stunt. He put things in there that would survive a long time and would be interesting and unusual, not just gold bars, which are kind of boring. Well, call me lame because I would love a gold bar. I'll take a fucking gold bar. <laughs> also, gold bars are just heavy. So I think diamonds and rubies and yeah, shit's easier for an 80-year-old that would to carry. Be, my God, who could lug a case of gold bars out of the woods? Yeah, he, I think that would not be, oh, it took a day for me to go. I mean, that would he'd have to get a <laughs> company. Well, Preston was inspired by Finn's story and, with Finn's permission, wrote into a book called The Codex, published in 2003. So for those considering setting out on your own adventure to unearth this handsome booty, let's review what we know. 
You said handsome. <laughs> According to legend, the treasure is somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, north of Santa Fe, higher than 5,000 feet above sea level, but lower than 10,200 feet above sea level. It is not in Nevada, Idaho, Utah, or Canada, and it is over 300 miles from Toledo, Ohio. The area where the treasure can be found contains pine trees, and the treasure is not in a graveyard, mine, or any other man-made structure. No outhouse. No outhouse. And while it is not located close to a trail, it is easily accessible by an 80-year-old man, as that was Finn's age at the time it was hidden. And he can go and get it anytime he wants. And he can visit it anytime he wants. Treasure hunters are eager to share their harrowing quests with Finn. And according to the eccentric ex-military turned art dealer, some have stood within a mere 200 feet of the chest of gold. Finn also claims that the key to finding the treasure is in one line of the poem. Finding where warm waters halt. So if you think you have what it takes, start there. Be careful. Good luck. And Godspeed. Oh, man. Gotta <laughs> so find what that, do we think? Gotta find that booty. <laughs> booty Hunters International. Oh, please. I will start a web series where I just search for this. It's called Booty Hunters. So first of all, let's start here. Do we, do we think it's real? I do think it's real. Douglas Preston would not lie. Well, and I've also watched many interviews with Forrest, and he's actually a very soft-spoken, seemingly, seems like a nice dude. And he just seems like he's telling the truth. He's like, and everyone that hunts is like, why would he lie about it? He would it? be really stoked. I think he would be super happy if someone found it. Yeah. So that's why he would hide something. Yeah. And I think like, why go to all this trouble? Like, what's the payoff for it not to be there? One of the interviews said he answers like a thousand emails a day. He answered every email. That yeah. Comes I mean, yeah. This he is said his, he gets up to a hundred a day. It's like his whole, his whole life. Yeah. It's just answering emails. And I mean, there's tons of videos where he's just... Like at a restaurant and people just come up to him and bombard him. And yes, he, you know, he'll talk to them and stuff. And one guy said, well, I was digging and I got arrested by a park ranger. And he goes, well, we're not supposed to dig where we're not supposed to dig. Which is kind of a clue. Like, okay, so it's probably it's it's not on private land or some kind of federal land. That's true. So... He gives kind of like subtle hints in that way. And yes. he said the clues that he gives, the additional ones he's provided, it's not to point people to the treasure. It's more to point them away from the dangerous situations that are unfortunately ending their lives. And the wrong stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, wrong, yeah, yeah. Get them back on the right track. Do you think it's real? You do I think, think so. It's real. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Like you said, I don't think he would go to all the trouble. And he seems to get great joy when people get close. It's not like, oh, damn, they were within 100 yeah. feet. He's like, keep going. You're so close. Like, you're within 200. Yeah. He's like, two people have messaged me that they were within, like, 200 feet of it. Yeah, I think it's real for sure. And I think hopefully it'll be found in the next couple years. That'd be amazing. He's been on some interviews recently in the past couple years. So it's gotten a lot, of, lot more publicity mm-hmm. than it once did. Oh, man, I would love if a listener found it. Would you ever go search for it? Probably not. I don't want to exert myself physically. <laughs> I would love to go to the national. I would love to go to Yellowstone. I would love to go to Montana. I would love to go to Wyoming, all those areas up there. And if I was nearby. But here's the thing about me. I, you know a lot about me. You know me very well. 
I don't really love instructions. I don't like reading a lot of directions. Yeah, that's true. So if I have to sit down and play a board game, first of all, I'm not going to listen to the directions. Second of all, I'm not going to read them. Third of all, I'm probably oh going to. I will never play. I'm going to cheat like the whole time because I think it's funny. And Tommy I have, will never allow no, you to play a board don't, game. Don't want me. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't want to do it. So what I do is just rebel by just like not paying attention. So this poem i'm like god i have to read this fucking poem for the show i don't even want to read a poem much less like look at it and get into it and get into yeah the... you're not you don't like um having to pay attention to like no. minute details no and i was like oh there's something about a brown and that's right no i mean i remembered it because i read it for the show and i did you know some of the research but i just i i researched more on his life and his the come up and you know how he ended up where he is and his reactions to stuff versus your rabbit hole of you want to solve it or could solve it. So the idea of me, like, I would just rather not have any money than. (laughs) I think it'd be fun adventure. And I like outdoorsy stuff like that. Paris said some of his college friends went and wanted to go search for it. But I think that. Did they ever go? I think they went, but I don't think, obviously they didn't find it. So. Yeah. Or they did. And they're (laughs) lying. Although. He's a secret millionaire. I think. Shit. I think um, Finn would know. Yeah, he would know. I think there. And that's the other thing is I think in the box, there's probably instructions of like. When you find this, because I, I think an average, because his excitement and what he wants is just an average person to find it. And he repeatedly says that, like, it doesn't take any, you don't have to be a historian. You don't have to be right. a skilled hiker. You don't have to be some expert. Like, you know what we should do? We should get man tracker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Track box. Box yeah. tracker. Yeah. He said all you need is. The poem. A map. GPS. The poem and basic geographical knowledge. Yeah, it doesn't take anything like no uh, no knowledge. So you're not going to be like freaking scaling a mountain Mm -mm. or free climbing or anything Mm -mm. like that. Like you, but he also said no one would just accidentally stumble upon it. It's not in a place where people typically go. I bet. I bet it's under like some brush or something. You know, something that's like reasonably hidden, but not. I don't think you would have a shovel. I don't think he was gonna. He was out there digging with a shovel, a hole big enough to fit. Well, a he giant said that treasure. if you, if you were within, I think twelve feet of it, you would probably notice it. Yeah. So I'm saying it's not flat underground. Like I don't think anyone dug out, put the chest you in. You think it. it's like stuck behind a bunch of boulders or something, something like that, or like like brush or a bush or something like that, or a cactus, you know, something back. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. He's. All, I mean, it also has to be able to weather 10,000 years possibly so I think maybe something like a little alcove or a tiny cave or something that's still going to be covered there. yeah the, the other thing is I think that sometimes things catch on fire like you have California wildfires you have ca- sure. like, that would be a dangerous thing if he had it sort of out in the foresty yeah. area if it caught if there was some kind of fire it wouldn't weather that so maybe it is up away like in a cave where even if the area burned around it it would still be safe yeah. for 10,000 years well, I'm going to continue to watch YouTube videos of people trying to find this I thing. I hope the geek finds it. Everyone watch Geek Seeks Gold. Geek Seeks Gold. On YouTube. And then he'll change his name to Geek Gets Gold. Oh, I hope so. That'd be awesome. Well, let us know what you guys think. Let us know if any of you have tried to search for this. If That'd be theories. really cool. We'd love to hear if anybody has actually gone out and looked for this or you have theories as to where it is. Man, you can get lost on the internet Deep reading. Dive theories and people breaking down stanza by stanza and line by line what i mean just That's tons subreddit. of google maps and it's google earth it's it's wild but also very interesting when it's a, and it's, possibly rewarding and it brings a community together it does yeah that's what i really like about it
Well, Sinisterhood will always remain free. But if you wish to donate to our Patreon to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner. You'll get some sweet perks like Patreon-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout-out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag for yourself, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop in the top right corner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on the internet? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. With that, Heather? With that sweet, sweet pedal content on Instagram. Pedal's getting some more content. Yeah. The fish right now have gotten a lot of content. I love your fish tank is so nice. Thank you. We need to add some water to it, but it's beautiful. It's crazy how fast it evaporates. No way. Well, in Texas. well we also had to uh to acclimate him to it. We had to remove some and it was a whole thing. Yeah, so. it's a it's a delicate ecosystem. It is. People say you're not really keeping fish, you're keeping water. Interesting. Which is we found is true. Yes. Well, where are you at on the internet? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey everybody, thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your Patreon shoutouts. Judith K. Heather Newell, Lauren Shear, Amber Mann, Betsy King, Hannah B, Megan Storms, Katie McAllister, Robin Hayes, Barbara McClure, Courtney Haldeman, Emily Buckley, Bat002, Eva Lewis, Heather That's Not Me, Kate Campbell, Shelby Modisette. Shelby is a good friend of mine. Shelby's Thank lovely. you, Shelby. Thank you all. You're all lovely. We all love you so much. We appreciate it. Make sure you join the exclusive Patreon Facebook group. We were talking about Hug a Bunch today, and I was very into it. And they're so. <laughs> with the patron facebook group i tried to set it to secret it's locked everyone out it's been a whole clusterfuck i am aware of it we know we're you have to wait 28 days to change it back hopefully it's like a fucking facebook menstrual cycle and we haven't <laughs> cleared it yet but if you can't get in then message us on patreon or message me on facebook and i will add you as a friend and then i can invite you to the group that way so you double win because you get to be friends with chris true true, and true. Get to be added to yes. the group. but yeah please get on there there was a hilarious hug a bunch yeah video. there's great content in there and we interact all the time yeah every day so, so it's a lot of fun well we appreciate all of the support and we couldn't do it without you thank you so much keep it creepy Mwah. sinister Who?